ask God to help me to share with you something fairly simple, but I pray that it will help you to uh, understand how to follow him more closely and to experience his perfect will in your life. Mark chapter 10, we're going to begin with verse 21. We're kind of picking up in the middle of a story that's unfolding. We'll give you some description. Mark chapter 10, verse number 21. Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. This man had come to Jesus wanting to experience the kingdom of God, and this was the instruction. The Lord said, one thing thou lackest. You heard what he told him, and then verse 22 gives us this report. And he was sad at the saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Jesus looked round about and said to his disciples, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. The disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that, look at the word there, trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. What a powerful description of what was going on in this man's life. I ask you today to answer this question in your own heart. What's your one thing? What's your one thing? Let's ask God to help us through his word. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, oh God, by the authority of your word, we can lose healing now, deliverance and strength, miracles of salvation and victory. Between now and when this service is dismissed, let your glory be revealed in every heart, every life, every family, every individual that opens up and ask you to have your way. And God, let the word reach into the place in our lives where you will call for submission and for renewed faith and renewed vision. I believe you, O oh God. I trust your word, and I know today you will give us victory as we let your will be accomplished in our lives. We pray and believe for these things in Jesus' name. Would you honor the Lord again with praise and with thanksgiving? God bless you. You may be seated. I do not plan to receive an offering today at the end of the message, even though there is some emphasis on treasure here and finance. I did Wednesday mention what it will cost for the first phase of kind of the HVAC overhaul here, and we'll share more of that as we move along. But really the focus of this passage for the individual, it may impact finance, but really, in all of our lives, if we would be honest, there just seems to always be something that we have to trust God with if we're going to grow, if we're going to mature, if we're going to be what He wants us to be. God's revelation is just that way. 
He does not leave you the way that he finds you. Amen? There is deliverance in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of the Lord Jesus. There is the opening of the windows of heaven. And and it's just like somebody said, you don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me. You come to him and you begin to grow. Your understanding begins to grow. And there are many testimonies in this room that can tell you, Jesus got a hold of my life. And he began to help me. And I wouldn't trade him for anything. Anybody feel that way? You know, when you start living for God, answering his call and opening up to his revelation, there's nothing like it. There are people, I could have got amen there and been okay. There's nothing like it. All right, just working with you because when the TV cameras go on, we need this right. <laughs> you know, you don't have the habits you used to have. That's a big deal. You're not walking in the bondage you used to walk in. You're not confronting the same old fears and the same old corruption that tainted your life. It's something about the way God moves on us that you begin to look around and say, as I just mentioned, I wouldn't trade anything for just knowing God and His purpose in my life. That revelation changes you. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 2 said it this way, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself me and the apostle Paul weaves throughout his writings a recognition it's okay to just give your life over to the purpose of Jesus Christ what I used to do I don't do anymore how I used to live I don't live anymore what's happened I've got a new life by the grace of God don't be dragging those old habits into your new life Amen. In one place, the writer gets very graphic. He says the dog should not return to the vomit. There's something about going back to old habits and old spirits and old attitudes that we should reject and we should get up every day and say, Lord, would you give me a new spirit? Would you give me a new attitude? Would you help me to live for you and see your glory in my life? And he will answer that prayer. Amen. Sometimes our lives become a place of tension because though we are walking in newness of life, we do feel sometimes the encroachment of these old things. I want you to know there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. You may have a thought come by that represents an old life or an old way of doing life. You know what you ought to do in that moment? You ought to say, I plead the blood of Jesus. I'm not who I used to be. That's what happened when I was baptized in Jesus' name. I know that thought came along, but I plead the blood of Jesus. I don't think that way anymore. I don't live that way anymore. I don't do those things anymore. In fact, God is so faithful to us that he says to us, 
if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We do not sin so that grace may abound. We are constantly pressing toward the mark of the high calling of God which is in Christ Jesus and that attitude drives us to greater faithfulness, not less. Greater worship, not less. More prayer, not less. More obedience, not less but when we sin I didn't say if I said when we sin he is faithful and you can say even today Lord would you forgive me I want to be renewed I want to have a clean heart I want to have a right spirit I hope you didn't come out to feel like you could look around and say I'm a perfect church this is a perfect church and I'm a perfect person I should fit right in you probably gave up on that thought already today but I want you to know there is some measure of hope in this not being a perfect church because you have a savior that will look at your life and say I know you need a little work over here but would you give me the opportunity to work there and you'll have a new life you'll have a new heart I, I don't want to get ahead of myself but in the few moments when we come to pray you ought to race to this altar and say give me a new life in a few moments when we come forward if you've never been baptized in Jesus name you ought to be pulling on somebody's coat hey I want my sins washed away I want to have a new life When we're praying around here and you lift your hands and start worshiping, whether it's in English, that is your primary language, or in Spanish, or another language, you should fully expect uh, that after you have repented of your sins, uh, that the power of God is going to touch you from the top of your head to the sole of your feet, uh, and you're going to begin to speak in other tongues uh, as the Spirit of God gives you the ability. Why does that happen? Because He wants you to know when you leave, Jesus is in my heart. And I will never, ever be the same. Amen. I know, I know tradition can be so strong. I know routine can have its value. I know that sometimes even just what we do can become so familiar. But at the end of the day, there's nothing worth seeking if you don't receive power to overcome your flesh and to be what God wants you to be. I've got good news. And ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses. What do you mean God is going to change your life? And you're going to be able to walk in the power and in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. There is a challenge that comes to every heart and every life, and it is simply dealing with those things that could limit our progress in the purpose of God. The psalmist says in Psalm 27, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, 
that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. If you will allow me to describe Christianity and a walk with the Lord this way, it is a journey of trading the one thing that used to represent your life for the one thing that will lead you to eternal life. Living for God and walking by faith. It is a journey of saying my life used to be about sin that was the main thing but now it's about God's presence my life used to be about money, education family, that was the main thing but now one thing have I desired that will I seek after I want to live for God I want to be in his presence there are things in our lives they are not sin. Some things are sin. But there are some things they are not sin. They just get in the way of pursuing what is most important, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to deal with. Our worship matters because it reflects how much we desire God and His presence our prayer matters. God knows what we need before we even pray it. But our prayer matters because it reflects our desire. A lack of prayer means a lack of desire for the work of God and His purpose in your life. Our obedience and submission to His will, it matters, not just so we can have larger congregations, but because it reflects your desire and God is moving us through so that we can say like the psalmist, I've tried that and it didn't do it for me. I went there and it didn't do it for me. I lived for those things and it didn't do it for me. But when Jesus came into my heart, he satisfied me. I was at a funeral this week, and I know when we are touched by loss and grief and the pain that we all feel, I know that we cannot wish that pain away. But one thing I also know as I sat at that funeral, what I would still describe as the very untimely, early death of someone that we admired so much. And when I sat there, I turned to the gentleman next to me, I said, I would not want to do this without God in my life. I said, I wouldn't want to go through loss without God in my life. I wouldn't want to go through sickness without God in my life. I wouldn't want to go through unemployment without God in my life. I wouldn't want to go through family trouble without God in my life. I wouldn't want to go through school or even higher levels of education without God in my life. In fact, I'm not sure I want to wake up and deal without a life that has the presence of God. One thing.
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. But it all gets twisted if the one thing in your life is something besides God. Oh, God. Isaiah writes in chapter 8, verse 13. I'm reading from a different translation. But he says, make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. And then he says this, he will keep you safe. How are you going to make it through the storm? I'm leaning on the Lord. How are you going to make it through the struggle? I'm leaning on the Lord. How are you going to get through what you're going through? I'm leaning on the Lord. We used to say it this way. I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. I'm safe. I'm secure. I don't know. Is there a present day believer that would say, I know how I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it with Jesus. I know how I'm going to live. I'm going to live with Jesus. Praise God. You need Jesus Christ. And I know it's a unique way to say it, but you need to be, you need to let him be your one thing. Amen. You need to start saying, if I don't have anything else, I want to have Jesus. If I get the job or don't get the job, I got to have Jesus. If I get the promotion or don't get the promotion, I, I, I got to have Jesus. If I get A's or if I get D's, if I have to strumble through a couple of B minuses, I'll find a way to get through. But I got to have Jesus. If I'm single, I got to have Jesus. If I'm married, I got to have Jesus. If I have money, I got to have Jesus. If I have no money. He's got to be. You're one thing. And so, the individual from our text, and I got to thinking about him. You know, and I, I don't know if you've thought about it this way, but he was not a slacker. The more I look at it, he, he was not a slacker. In fact, he told the Lord, he said, I've been honoring your word every day of my life. Since I was a young boy, since they showed me these things, I have been keeping your commands. It seems that he was likely a moral man. It seems that he was likely dedicated to his church, dedicated to the things that he had been taught from a young age. It seems like he was serious about his relationship with God. He wasn't wanting credit for nothing. He didn't say, I go to church a couple times a year. I don't know why I'm not any further along than I am. He didn't say, well, I participate in a couple of ministries and, and even though I don't really follow God at least I'm doing something he was not a slacker now I'm not saying you're a, a slacker I'm just saying he was not a slacker and yet God said one thing thou lackest and I got to looking at that and I said, isn't it interesting? God has a way of putting his hand on something that we are trusting 
more than we trust God. For Abraham, it would be one thing to lead him through all that he led him through and to bring him through all that he brought him through. But still, though he has reflected faithfulness and obedience, for Abraham, God does not stop, if you want to use this phrase, messing with Abraham until he puts his hand on the one thing. And I look at this and I say, you know what? If we're not careful, we think to ourselves, all that I have is because I've been faithful to God. All that I have is because God has blessed me. But if we're not careful, we will say, but he's not blessed me for no reason. I've been following him. I've been obeying him. I've been honoring his word. Of course he's blessed me financially. I've honored him financially. Of course he's blessed my family. I've dedicated my family to him. And if we're not careful, we start to adopt a mentality God, I did what you told me to do, and so you cannot touch this. And I'm finding that God has a way of testing your ability to trust him when he puts his hand on something you think you have earned because of your faithfulness to God. I'm not telling you I'm comfortable with that. I'm just saying... I seem to see that. Well, Abraham for sure. But what about Job? Job. I've been honoring God. He was a just man. He was living for God. And God begins to allow the devil to mess with him. Job doesn't know how all this has started, and yet his proclamation is amazing to me. He doesn't look inward, and to some degree he does doubt his own faithfulness as anybody would, but he does not begin to blame himself for the calamity. He doesn't even blame the devil. At some point, he fixes his mind on the sovereignty of God, and he says this, the Lord gave, and he hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I may not have anything else, but I still have a walk with God, and he's still faithful, and he's still the one I trust. God gets you there. You ought to curse God and die. Nope. That's my one thing. You ought to curse God and die when prayers aren't being had. Oh, no. That's my one thing. It's the one thing they can't take away from me. It's the one thing that if I die, let me die. But I'm going to see the king. It's the one thing I can have in the storm. And I can have in the peace. It's the one thing I can have in any circumstance. Don't take my one thing. So, with Abraham, with Job, with this rich young ruler, he just brings us along. And then with you and I, here this afternoon, oh God, what's your one thing? I've experienced some suffering. I'm not sure I'll be able to make it to church. I'm not sure I'll be able to live for God. You know, everything that I hoped for hasn't come together the way that I thought it would. I'm not sure that 
living for God is worth it. I'm asking you to repent and bring your heart in alignment with the will of God and be able to leave this service in one uh, in a little while and say, you know what? I got one thing going for me, and it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's his presence in my heart. It's the peace that passes understanding. Would you stand with me? God has a way of causing us to confront anything in our life that would represent a double mind. One writer calls it a double soul, two-souled. And, and, and the, the amazing thing, the way Jesus talked about it, he said if your eye is evil, then everything is evil. He doesn't give you room to somehow divide your heart. And, 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 and you, you think, well, surely God is okay with 90-10 or 80-20. He says, no, you got to have one thing. One thing has to be the first thing. One thing has to be the most important thing. One thing has to be the thing you would live for and even die for. I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus. What a challenge. I preach to you not something I like to preach or even like to hear, but I preach to you something that I need to hear. You got to have one thing. Amen. He blesses you with a great victory, with a great season of abundance. Praise Him in that abundance. If everything is stripped away systematically and you find that even what you thought you had, and I know this is an odd word, but this is the way human beings think. I, I, I know God's blessed me, but I've been faithful. I, I've honored Him. Of course, he, if He touches that and all of a sudden things are slipping away that you thought you quote-unquote earned, you need to be able to say one thing have I desired. Amen. One thing. You need to be able to say everything I am belongs to God. Everything I have belongs to God. Oh, God, give us mercy and grace to not struggle with trust when you put your hand on the things that seem most dear to us, even things we thought we had arranged in such a manner that you would never touch those things. God, help us to trust you. Help us to honor you. I want you to come and stand around the front. Would you first come and stand, if at all possible, just come and stand. If you can't all get to the front, at least get to the front pews. We're going to start with repentance. That's awesome. Everybody that can come, please come. Praise God. I want you to start with repentance. We're going to all repent together. Would you lift your hands with me? Oh, God, would you forgive us of our sins? Everyone in this room, even church people, have sin in their heart, sin in their lives. But we don't want to go one more second with these things, uh, keeping us from the perfect will of God. Uh, would you forgive us? Uh, forgive us of any attitude of hate, malice, uh, any attitude of lust, uh, anything that we've been giving ourselves over to that has limited our walk with you. Uh, God, would you wash us? Uh, would you give us clean hands and pure hearts? Uh, not just things that we would do, 
but things we have left undone. If we have failed to pray, would you forgive us? We want to do better. If we have failed to give, would you forgive us? We want to do better. If we have failed to love and be merciful and allow the Spirit to work in us, if we have quenched the Spirit, if we have allowed any type of attitude to cause us to withhold our dedication, our commitment, would you forgive us? Oh God, we need you. Oh 